0: A mank.
1: Should I call you Mr. Mankiewicz, uh, Herman?
0: Oh, please call me Mike.
1: We bought a bank. Bought a bank.
0: We bought a... 1930s Hollywood. Gary Old Mac. We bought... 1934 california gubernatorial election hello mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and welcome to we bought a mank a pop culture mank cast i am trying to wrap my head around it i just don't get it what's the joke you're making like what do you say oh uh, uh herman j mankowitz
1: mm. you probably man. know his brother joseph mankowitz made such classics as all about eve um, his grandson is the host of TCN movies. If anything about this movie, it's just fun to say. Mank. Mank,
0: mank, mank. Mank, 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 mank,
1: mank, 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 mank. So is the movie better or worse if it's just called anything but mank?
0: Um, it's better than me and Orson Wells.
1: Yeah, but only we ta- name. Before we talk about Mank, you want to talk about in, in me in and Morrison Wells? Did you, you, give that did you watch it in
0: preparation for Mank? Uh, I wish. We're here to talk Mank, if you didn't notice already, folks. On We Bought a Micah Pop Culture Podcast here, I'm Ernest.
1: I am Hunter Mankley. Mm. I was saving that one.
0: And I'm Skimble Manks. The railway (laughs) mink. The cat on the railway (laughs) mink. Oh,
1: this is going to be a long pod. (laughs) I'm ready for it. So,
0: last week we did a little prep for this one. Mm -hmm. We talked Citizen Kane. We talked Top 5 Fincher. And now it's here on Netflix. A Netflix original. David Fincher's mink. What do we think about it?
1: Um. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I know this movie uh, received some kind of surprising to me mixed reviews upon its release. So I did go in. I didn't watch it on Friday night. I gave it a couple days. I went to let the discourse happen and I was going to just ignore it, but just kind of let it happen. So that I could just kind of go in on my own and watch this movie. I feel like the discourse is already gone at this point. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. We'll talk about that. In a we'll bring it back um, with
0: this episode right here.
1: I think this movie is a masterpiece. I think that this is just automatically one of the best things I've seen this year. A
0: mangster piece.
1: Uh, it lived up to all of my no. hype leading up to this film. This film was like one of the most anticipated movies of the year for me. Of course because as we discussed on the last episode, we are all big fans of David Fincher. The Finch Man. Um, I just think like this movie blew me out of the water. I watched it twice in 24 hours. Mm, um, wow. Okay. And it is even better on a second viewing. In fact, I I know it's kind of a tough sell to people to say, watch it a second time. If you aren't a big fan of a movie, because I'm usually not a proponent of you have to watch something multiple times to get it. Um, but I just think that there's so much about this movie that works so well, especially because it's a movie that kind of takes its time for you to figure out what the movie is about. And we'll talk about that a little bit more wherever we get into spoilers and everything. But I felt a similar reaction, weirdly enough, to whenever we saw first Cal this year. We're like, for the first 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, but what is this movie? Like, what what are we doing? Is it just going to be him laying in a bed reading lines from Citizen Kane? Or where are we going with this and where it ends up? I absolutely love this movie. Love the journey along the way. Love all the different themes that we're going to break into. Um, Yeah, I loved it. What about you guys? True um
0: you just saw it right just saw it i liked it uh, i didn't love it in the context of speaking of one of our greatest living filmmakers uh like you know we just did citizen kane and top five venture it's not top five venture for me um i do not like the way that this movie starts i don't think i don't like the first act of this movie actually i You're really just dropped in i really really like where we end up I agree with a lot of what you said about like how things coalesce and like it becomes itself. Like it unfurls very, very in a lovely way. And it's less, I don't know, because it is pretentious, but I think less than you would think. Does that make sense? As pretentious as a black and white movie about old Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. Um, I'm really fascinated by the Oscar chances of this movie, considering that it's a lock for a couple categories. Yeah, I know. But just considering the Oscars want to appear, you know, modern and hip, and they (laughs) they gave it to the artists, like not even what, 10 years ago.
1: Well, not only that, um, this isn't like a bright and shining, like, ah, look at how magical the golden age of Hollywood is. It's not that at all. It does not paint uh, old Hollywood in a very good light Mm -hmm. in any kind of a way. So it is going to be interesting to see what Academy members think of this movie, like especially older Academy members, because I think that young, younger audience is going to be more mixed on it just in general. But the older Academy members, I feel like they're going to be torn because they love seeing old Hollywood, but they like seeing it being celebrate and reveling in the majesty of ah yeah. uh, yes this is the the good old days and uh uh we'll talk about our guy LB Mayer uh, as the pod goes on but uh doesn't not the best light for him
0: yeah um one thing that i think is pretty undeniable about the movie is uh Gary Oldman who is dude's good well he's he's crazy good he's really really uh good he is doing a very similar character to Uh, his portrayal of churchill in darkest hour um very very similar if you think about it just like uh, you know a nonstop drinker who uh is just so magnanimous he charms anyone he's in the room with no matter how drunk he is minus the fat suit and yeah and the british accent but very transatlantic
1: did you guys see darkest hour i did oh yeah Yeah. it's really good i think that is like kind of got shit on too much for like how it was just like ah this is gary oldman's vehicle to get an oscar but i did like it a lot i think this is like a top three gary oldman performance though because it's so nuanced this is the type of guy playing a historical figure that i like to see that isn't just a person putting on a fat suit and doing an accent whereas you're actually watching all the nuances yeah and in 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 fact he
0: is uh playing like a 40 something and at some points like a 30 something mm-hmm. year old and he, he looks like he's about like 700 <laughs> uh that was the biggest twist of the movie is at the end when they like he he
1: died you do the math you know he died 11 th- years
0: th- later he was 53 I'm they like, do huh? they have
1: one thing and he's just like yeah you're at the end of your life. And he's like i'm 45 but thank you for thinking about yeah me. I, lo- I thought that was a
0: joke He <laughs> looked like shit mank <laughs> um so this is written by jack fincher david's uh, f- uh deceased father um he died a long time ago, like over, like over, over a decade th- ago, three, I think. Yeah. And uh, David Fincher wanted to make this movie while his dad was actually still alive in like the late 90s. He wanted it to star Kevin Spacey. I think that would have been worse. Yes. Kevin Spacey is not uh, as charming as this. I think he would have overdone being drunk. And Jodie Foster
1: that. in the uh, Amanda Seyfried role, which is interesting. I would have liked to see that. That I, that could work more than Kevin Spacey in the Gary Oldman role. Yeah,
0: definitely. Because Kevin, I just cannot see that. Like I can't see the chance in hell that that. I mean, obviously, I'm sure it would work because it's Kevin Spacey in his peak and David Fincher. So like it, we would have liked it. But um, so he got to make it now. This is truly like carte blanche for David Fincher. He hasn't made a movie in like six years. Um, he is always, you know, this is sort of a s- statement on his own work in a lot of ways because he always wants full control over his works. Um, and you know, it's seldom. <laughs> uh the case that he gets it well he does but it's hard to um especially with a movie like this because this movie is not for the people it's really not it's for him and it's for his dad uh and it's for like movie people and i'm I'm happy for you finch good for you man like that's my biggest takeaway from this movie it's like i am so glad that he made this because you can tell that he put so much of his of what makes him great, you know, his meticulousness, his obsessiveness into this movie. And it shows like this is one of those movies where I can I can sit back and admire the the hell out of it and understand on a very kind of base level, the artistry at every level of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a well done movie. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I didn't really like have an emotional reaction no. to it i don't think it's going to be one of my top 10 of the year i mean the the 2020 is a kind of sparse year so it might it's crack it's definitely it. going to be in mind but that's just by default exactly yeah so we'll um, see how how that kind of shakes out but like this is one of those where it's like i don't have to i can clearly remove my enjoyment of it from how like objectively well made the movie is like i can't i can't knock it for anything like at every level it's it's a fucking good movie but i didn't really like it i didn't really like it i i i like it in the sense that like the performances are are good and it's well shot and people are putting good effort into it uh to make something that's well-made so I can appreciate it at that level from like a cinematic level. But I just didn't connect. Okay. So I didn't, um, I, it didn't hit me, you know? So Hunter goes high. I go middle. You go low. Um, Yeah. yeah, I'd say I'm more mid just because it kind of evens out like the admiration part. I'm like, I can't, I can't say this is a bad movie. Like that would be insane. That's ludicrous.
1: We should point out that you got that Ernest, you specifically, have been on Twitter uh, constantly tweeting about how this movie is bullshit, about how Orson Welles is the sole writer. Of... Orson Welles was robbed of yeah. sole writing credit. <laughs> quick, quick aside, and then we'll get back into, because I want to talk more about the thing specifically that I really connected to from this movie. But it is so funny to me seeing the Twitter discourse for like a couple of days after this movie came out where people were like defending Orson Welles it's like you're good Uh, Orson (laughs) Welles doesn't need you he's one of the most celebrated characters in Hollywood history like he's fine fine. and he also still starred produced directed this movie like nobody's taking anything away from him
0: that's a really good point it's like people who like rush to defend like a streaming service or whatever yeah it's like like,
1: they're fine they're billionaires it's it's gonna be all right. it's like people
0: (laughs) who are like wait you don't like Marvel movies yeah what are you doing (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a stupid slant to have on it is to, yeah, to be upset about that it's, you know, it's, it's part of it is
1: based on Pauline
0: Kale's, uh,
1: so it is, but I, so Cane. I, I read a good amount of Raisin Cane, um, and it is, you can tell that it is inspired by Raisin Cane, but it is very different. Raisin Cane, for example, does not really touch the political aspects, mm-hmm. which is, like a third of this movie is just talking about the political aspects with a uh, uh, William Randolph. I First. would I would say like half the movie. Yeah, it's a fact. it's a big chunk of this movie. I think that what I connected to more than anything, which is surprising, because of course it's Fincher and he's as we've lauded over him many times, one of the greatest directors and he has one of the greatest cinematic minds of our time. It was really Jack Fincher's script that I connected with, especially on a second viewing of there's a certain point earlier, early on in the movie where, um, where, uh, Gary Oldman is talking about the story of and Kane. He says that this isn't a straight line. This is like a cinnamon roll that's going around and around till it gets to the circle. And that's kind of what this movie is about, about Mank. This isn't a straight line of like, ah, here's Mank. Here he goes through some troubles. Here he is alcoholic. Here he it wins, Swirls Oscar. around. It is a mess, and we are kind of taken back in time through these, this multitude of flashbacks that we have, which I do think are really well done, and I'm very obviously an homage to Sis and Kane itself. But I really love the way that the layers of this Mankowitz character are unwrapped as the season goes along peel hmm. back i guess you don't unwrap an onion that's okay you
0: could yeah yeah it's not the way to do it I don't, I don't know we don't need to do shrek lines <laughs> this is just, guys don't get <laughs> you wrote this is the, the shrek of this year you wrote the script for me don't get <laughs> i need it done it, it took a while for me to get into the vibe of jack fincher his screenplay I mean, he obviously is heavily basing the entire style of the script around old movies. Of course, you know, the whole movie is an old movie. The dialogue has some gems. Like oh, there are some perfectly worded lines of dialogue yeah. that are just like, oh, my God, how did you arrive at that? Yeah, it's well, yeah, it's it's very reminiscent of uh, like, you know, the old like almost vaudevillian style movies mm-hmm. like the, the big fast the bing crosby type movies where right. it's the the best way i could describe it and this was bugging me in the first act and then it got better as it went along i think is it feels like every character knows what the other character is about to say always like you know what i mean that yeah, like and which play. is play well yeah that's how theater goes too and that's a type of dialogue i have a hard time connecting with because that's not what life is um but that you know there's a time and a place where this is a genre film the genre is old (laughs) and so it's old movie old
1: i mean there is so much not just with the black and whiteness and kind of the cigarette burn in the corner of the screen and stuff like that but i think that it's also because i've been watching all these old movies and even like I'll watch a movie from, like, uh, I'm trying to think. I've, I've watched a few movies from, like, the 1930s, 1940s this year, a handful of them, and it's not just in the style of filmmaking, but it is really in the writing that this movie gets so perfectly. It's something that... Really, Citizen Kane perfected is this pre-Sorkinian uh, type of dialogue of multiple people all talking over each other at the same time, but yeah. it's still coherent. That's a thing that's in all of these movies, mm-hmm. as well as kind of the shifting of tones throughout a movie. And some yeah. of them can be very sloppy. And this movie tries to capture that. The first half hour, first forty-five minutes of this movie is like almost like just a like classic office comedy. Like, it's very funny. It's meeting all these characters, somebody new showing up to the office, and they're improving a movie script, like, live in front of a producer. That's a great scene. Like, there's kind of all these moments where it is... It, that's what I'm talking about, about kind of feeling around the dark the first time that you see this movie to figure out what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the
0: confusion, for lack of a better word, uh, extended at least for me throughout most of the movie by the end, I could, I could really feel out like what it was trying to do and what it was trying to say, but the, the bulk of it, I was kind of just left wondering like what this movie was and what it was trying to do, especially, especially because of the, presumption that it was going to be about the making of Citizen Kane and it's just not about that like that's a framing device of him laying in that bed typing out the script and dictating it to Lily Collins but that's not what the movie's about the movie's about a time in Hollywood and a time in America that was you know dealing with the Great Depression and and you know the the rise of like communism and nazism and socialism and all these kind of contrasting ideologies and how they were uh, contextualized by the economic uh, distress that's what the movie's about and hollywood's role in that and i did not expect it to be about that i thought it was going to be about citizen kane so i was like still always kind of figuring out like wait what's
1: what's going on but it kind of is still also just about Citizen Kane because it's all of these events that the reasons are...
0: why he made the story exactly, about that. Exactly. Yes. Like
1: whenever you're trying to figure out what the movie is about, the movie is about Mank. It's right in the title. It's not called like Citizen or uh, an American What the original title for Citizen Kane. Orson. Manc. It's it's just it's called Kane. Like it's about who uh, Herman Mankiewicz was and. What led him to make this movie, which is everything that was happening around him and the people that he was around at this time. Yeah, and you can see, especially it was funny watching Sis uh, and Kane so closely uh, before rewatching this movie, is because you can see the characters in Manx life that would go on to inspire various characters, not just talking about the Marian Davies character. Well, William, the, William Hurst. Randolph Hearst, not just talking about William Randolph Hearst and, um, there's other characters and stuff, but also like you can kind of tell that the, um, the mayor character, the LB mayor is like, that is Kane's friend who's there and like helping him. And you can kind of see these different archetypes show up, which, Again, I don't think that this movie really requires homework. At least it didn't for me. Um, like watching *Sis and Kane* was fun to pick up on little things like that, but also like I didn't felt like obligated. Like, oh, I wouldn't have gotten this plot beat if I didn't just rewatch *Sis and Kane* before this. Drew, did you watch *Sis and Kane* before this, or no? Um, did you were you missing any? Did you feel like you missed out on anything? Sure, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, okay. not necessarily wrong. the movie
0: doesn't like over explain itself no. it, it, it 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 tries to leave you in in the dark about certain things you know because it doesn't want to waste time like over explaining itself and i don't i don't see that as like requiring homework like i was genuinely interested after the movie ended in like going back and doing the research just because i was interested
1: yeah i it's did not, go ahead and looked up Upton Sinclair after this movie because yeah. I was like, I don't know who the fuck this person is. But oh, also, yeah. you don't really have to know that person. Like it does enough of just like this person is this politician, he's running for this ideals, so that's all you gotta yeah. know about him.
0: He's I mean, I I knew a little bit about his political runnings. I mostly just knew him as a writer, like writer of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh as far as missing out on stuff, it's it's kind of a game of <laughs> are you like I I'm sure I discerned what I was missing out on. Right. Like I, f- I was able to figure out like when he's giving that long spiel about his new Quixote, like I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So like everyone in this is like reflecting a character that'll be in Citizen Kane. And I was like, that's, that's cool. Um, but the it's dinner, the dinner scene, but it, yeah, exactly. But that is, a stark difference from if you had figured that out already, and then he had laid it out, then you might get like a goose bumpy type moment. Where you're like, Oh my God, this is like, yeah, this it's is all clicking. Yeah. He's explaining citizen Kane. Um, and the other, like the, the third layer of that is you can understand that or be able to discern it. And if, but if you don't care about citizen Kane, it means nothing to you. It doesn't matter. And if you don't really care that much about mank, because As charismatic as Oldman is, I do think that there is still a disconnect with the main character because he's so kind of, I guess the closest thing I can come up with is kind of despicable. Like he is not that the The performance is charismatic but the man is not very likable like there's not a, a I lot like, of he's not, him.
1: he's not like lovable but i wouldn't say like he's not a despicable figure by any he's means he's a drunk he's,
0: he's like he's, a a drunk. he's his also way was around. the
1: original bernie bro man like he was just <laughs> yeah. out there just like hey democratic socialism can work baby let me yeah, tell you <laughs> that's the
0: thing his actual actions are good you know, he's drunk, but like he does good things. He's I just rude. I didn't find that there was a lot about him that like made me want to root it's just, for him. The, ultimately, like I liked him. That wasn't an issue for me. But uh, this movie, like I would recommend to almost no one. <laughs> I liked it. Who would like it if you Sean don't, Don Fennis? If you don't give a fuck about movies, why the fuck would you watch? Well, the that's riot? okay. So that is that's a bigger nonsense. thing
1: because I think that you can maybe you can just watch *Sis* and can just be like, "That was good. I can respect it. That's fine. I'm not gonna rewatch it." And you can still take something out of *Mank*. You don't have to be a film historian mm. to love *Mank*, but you do have to like care at least a little bit about kind of. Not even like have knowledge of history of Hollywood, but at least be more open to it yeah. and to its characters. Yeah. You have so to
0: give half a therefore, shit. Therefore,
1: <laughs> I it's I mean, I know that Netflix was the only person who would give David Fincher money to make this movie. Probably because there's no no audience. other studio would find this movie profitable in yeah. any way unless it won Best Picture and people are like, Oh, I guess I have to go see this movie because people told me that's the best movie yeah. of the year. Well but- it's not yeah, it's not
0: about profit for Netflix, it's about clout right this is a movie for dads who have a bookshelf full of like biographies
1: hey, <laughs> or dads who have a bookshelf full of uh blu-rays like me so that's <laughs> this is a, that's a, actually um a type of dad is a biography dad
0: <laughs> that's such a great call <laughs> <laughs> Biography, dad. like several shelves yeah biography dad. like five shelves i know the type <laughs> that's really great um it's yeah it's just it's not universal I found myself enjoying it. I knew a lot of the Hollywood history stuff more than I knew the Citizen Kane specific stuff, because this is what you learn in film classes that I've taken. Um, And a lot of the time, frankly, while watching this, I was thinking in maybe even starting like next semester this is going to be like a pretty good movie that you see in your film class of course it's going to be sh- shown in so many different film classes because it applies you know i've taken probably 3 that all go over the same material maybe that speaks more toward my college's bad film program um <laughs> But they so many classes go over the history of cinema and then on top of it, they can say also it's a David Fincher movie. So it's immaculately shot and like it's not like an actual old movie. It It is better than most of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like you will enjoy it more than them. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I think Fincher like he again with his meticulousness, his obsessiveness, every scene has so much of old Hollywood visuals in it while still looking like a modern movie like that's one of the kind of the miracles about this movie is that it it's not he's able to meld the two sensibilities together without clashing them
1: that's exactly what I was going to say is that I'm I know he wanted to make this movie in the 90s whenever his father was still alive but I think that it is kind of a miracle that this movie is coming out now because I think if it was made then I think that it would be too pretentious and i know like people look at this movie and call it pretentious as it is but it is still shot in a wide aspect ratio it isn't trying to like for all that fincher is as a perfectionist he didn't belabor kind of the points of just like i have to make this movie has to be on grainy film reel like this movie shot digitally it's black and white but it is still wide aspect ratio and with that he can take he can do more with the camera than he could back then. Because I think originally what he wanted to do was he wanted to shoot this like on a similar type of model to what Sis and Kane is where they would be lugging around 300 pound cameras oh. and shit like that. And <laughs> that I don't have time for that shit. Like that's what the artist did. And that's why the artist is like, I, can admire some shit about this movie, but I have no connection whatsoever to this movie and I will never revisit it. If this
0: had been a silent film, I would have not been here to do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I would have not watched it. Um,
1: Hey, there's some good silent films, some Charlie Chaplin joints. And uh, yeah, yeah, but but not,
0: it wouldn't be a a (laughs) film about like a stupid detective following a guy around. Uh, um, Another, the other uh, big shout out uh, in terms of like just pure craft is, the sound designer, whose name is Ren Kleis, uh, man put yes. in work. <laughs> like oh, this, yes. It sounds like they said, uh, I think Fincher said this in an interview. He said uh, they started talking years ago about how they wanted to make it feel like it was found in like the UCLA archives or in Martin Scorsese's basement or something like that. Like they compressed all the audio. Um mm-hmm. And I think they did it effectively because there are times when it like, they use it to their advantage, I guess. There are times when the audio becomes more lo-fi uh, because yeah. it like, you know, you were supposed to listen more to the thing right before it. And then it becomes more lo-fi when someone says something less important in the following line. I like very, very clever sound design.
1: I didn't know that. It, whenever I was first watching it, I didn't know that part. And I was like, is there like a weird like echo effect happening on my soundbar right now? Or like what's going on with this auditory <laughs> thing just in like certain scenes that would pop up. But then I read that afterwards and that is, really cool how they do that because that is exactly what it is like when you just find an old film reel somewhere it
0: did make some scenes a little bit difficult to kind of understand what was being said especially scenes that were really busy and there was music and background noise and the 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 main dialogue you wanted to kind of Really pay attention to it. I did struggle a little bit to catch. Did
1: you watch it with closed captioning on? No. Okay. I watched it the first time without closed captioning, and the second time I watched it, I watched it with closed captioning. I
0: I don't know if I should make my confession. Do you always watch
1: stuff with closed captioning?
0: No, I usually don't like it. Actually, I had it off for this one, and I didn't have any issues with that. You watched it in Spanish. You watched it on a phone. I watched the final two acts on one point two five times speed. Not because I was on a time crunch in any sense. You know why? The movie gets a lot less uh, self-flagellating when you watch it faster. It becomes a lot less indulgent. Your, it truly did. I your Netflix is like key demographic right now. <laughs> like you can be mad all you want. It becomes a normal length movie. And like it It's it,
1: two, it's two hours and ten minutes. It's not that yeah, long. Know, of but a movie. it's also like not
0: the most entertaining movie.
1: I see. Okay. <laughs> so that's something that, that I keep seeing. And I like for me, I was riveted this entire time. Like, I don't think this movie has a single dull moment. I think that. The editing for this movie is masterful, like you were just bang, bang, bang in scenes. I'm like, cool, Act one, Act two, Act three, and they're the credits like it that's why I watched this movie a second time is because I think that the pacing of this movie is immaculate mm. i see i I don't like i I guess I wouldn't technically know
0: about the final two acts. I know that at my speed, it wasn't dolan anyway, <laughs> so let but let's well, see let's see what it's like in one point five speed. <laughs> No, I watch 1.25 audience.
1: 1.25 is still that's 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 quick. That's shaving off a good. That's shaving off.
0: Does it pitch
1: up their voices? No. <laughs> You're just like, it's on like 1.25 speed. Um, another highlight while we're talking about technical. They're aspects. walking around
0: very fast. <laughs> that's no, that's that's too much. 1.25. I did it just to try it out, and all of a sudden I was liking the movie more, <laughs> like because you do. Like, the shots are mostly drawn out because he's imitating old cinema. So it's a lot of, like, you know, standing or even dynamic shots that take their time. So you still get to absorb what's in frame. And it's gorgeous. This that is, was never, This is the future that was of also, cinema. So that was never a question about this movie, first of all. And that was also never a concern of mine in watching it. I never was like, well, is Make going to look good? Of course it's going to fucking look good. The, the question is, is it going to entertain me? And then in the first act, it didn't to be frank. Yeah, I I I honestly I I dozed off a couple of times. I I was like nodding off a little bit. It it, it around the middle portion when um when it's like really kicking into like the election subplot mm-hmm. uh and it's like the whole thing like well, I guess it's technically spoilers, but Anyway,
1: there's a subplot where it's spoilers <laughs> for history. Just, we're in spoilers yeah. right now. Just,
0: uh, we know you guys all look, know the I, results of this. election I'm saying, in California, and- I'm
1: saying go watch Mank. I think this movie's great. I want you guys to watch this movie a second time because for hey, this brother, good luck. I, I no, I'm saying I really got so much more out of it, especially in that first act after seeing this movie a second time, knowing where it's going. And no. I think that that's a thing that's a Netflix thing too, that. David Fincher was like, "Well, if people have questions, they can just rewatch my movie." Yeah, but I, in order for me to 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 give
0: into like the rewatchability factor, your movie needs to it needs to give me something to like I, I just, to like cash in on that. One point two five. I'm just I'm <laughs> I just not Arnie. I'm not joking. Like, do it. It it'll be an hour and a half movie. It'll I'm be in and get you out. I'm on 1.5 right now. This no, the second time you watch it, you might as well just do one point two five. I'm not no. what if we go drunk mode? Let's go half speed. Yeah, let's go half speed. Let's make this a four hour film. Well, the Mank is just gonna sound like <laughs> crazy <laughs> drunk.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanna meet the guy who like uses this feature. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, I think, I don't know, you might be giving it a bit too much credit saying that Fincher intentionally wanted it to be a multiple viewings movie. I think he
1: said that before. No, he said like
0: that's that's fair. Then I guess what's what's more likely for me in terms of how it it is in effect in that first act is uh, Jack Fincher is not a screenwriter and he wrote a screenplay. And it's like definitely very good for someone who's not a screenwriter. Um, It's better than anything I could ever write but they're going to be issues. That's not an insane thought to have, especially if you're writing something with snappy theatrical dialogue. It's tough, man. I mean, I wouldn't, I guess you could call it issues. I think that the biggest thing to me is like, it's just not for me. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're issues. I just say that I just personally don't gravitate to the way this movie's approach to how it wants to tell the story it wants to tell. Like, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say it's like poorly executed or anything like that. It's just not for me. And that's totally fine.
1: So I, I, I respect where you guys are coming from. And you know what? I actually, this is kind of similar. You guys are in the spot where I was, I think last year with the Irishman, you guys were both a lot higher on the Irishman fucking masterpiece. And I was like, I respect this movie, but I ha- don't have any connection to this. This I movie, was, I, I was actually in the middle of the Irishman as well. So you're right. I have, I have a much higher connection to Mank than I do to the Irishman. Part I, of That's the runtime. Mm-hmm. Part of that is, I think yeah. that the script is just much more well paced than the Irishman. Hey, we'll speaking part of the movie, by design because Irishman is a movie that's just like supposed to make you feel like you are aging while watching it guys
0: the irishman on 1.25 times (laughs) 1.5 no no stop with the 1.5 1.5 is a great no but i'm the thing is i'm not joking Ernie, if you and me watch The Irishman at 1.25, we would like it more, I promise. I, I mean, that's almost like a 10 out of 10 Look, movie I'm for telling you. So. Wait a minute. No, I was talking. I meant Hunter. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter, I promise you we would like it
1: more. Listeners, you, I'm going to just say I, Hunter, on the Weebot Mike podcast, do not support watching movies at a different speed than the filmmakers intended them to be watched on. Okay. These guys are geniuses for a reason, and we are not geniuses.
0: Check out Mank on 0.5 speed right now.
1: Doesn't this look gorgeous? It does look pretty gorgeous, uh, but no, no, it's 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 made in a certain way. Just appreciate the way that it's made. Um, no, that, I don't think that's true. You're the people who are just like, I wish that Twin Peaks was a little bit more down the middle. Oh, so you're saying I'm a critic, Hunter? <laughs>
0: fellow critic on we bought a mic podcast here's the thing this is the only way that we can edit movies we have so many ideas about how to make movies better this is the only way we can actually make them is come there is
1: there like a bar can you do like 1.05 speed dude i wish because that's what I, well that's what <laughs> that's I was a better to it thing it, is, tune a, up it is like the it is the a bar is yeah. a bar but
0: you can't do that there's only five spots on a, the bar because i was like 1.25 is is a bit much and it was a little t- much faster than i wanted but i think 1.15 would be like the way to watch Mick. <laughs> somebody should clip out this part of the podcast and send it directly to david fincher See,
1: david, I'm, I'm just gonna be here like david i love your movie please come and just do a solo pod with me you know the, we'll talk about like how i we'll so talk i was, like anti nolan shit or something i was uh i was talking
0: to uh roommate of the pod nathan before i came here about how i watched it faster and i was like i can't tell them <laughs> And now like, you've derailed the pot. And then, well, you know what I did before I left is I, I chugged a bunch of cold brew coffee <laughs> and then I just drank two yingling lights. And now, now we're on case. And so now I just be saying you know what, shit, what, But you bro.
1: know what's something that I wouldn't want to play too fast because something that I did really enjoy is the original music from uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And do you see how I just got us back on track in the podcast that we're so talking about here?
0: Apparently they used only um, instruments from the era, right?
1: It's, like I big think
0: band it's so cool. It's
1: stuff. not like, it's not going to be as like snappy or like something that you throw on a playlist, like social network or something like that. But I really love the kind of the jazz instrumentation, especially in that first act when they first show up to the War Brothers lot, or when they have snappy. that, that great walk and talk with, uh, with, uh, Mank, just walking with a uh, mayor and everything and make and mayor, which I, this this leads me. We gotta give a shout out to Arliss Howard, um, who plays L.B. Mayer. And he's just like, I we spend a million dollars every year on films we never make. Why? Because they don't make me cry. Why do I cry? Because I feel emotion. Here, here, and here. And he grabs his balls. That guy is incredible, and I want him to get a supporting actor nomination.
0: Um, yeah, he's one of the best parts of the whole movie, for sure. Also, uh, Sir Charles Dons.
1: I yeah. One of the best voices. Just yeah. his voice
0: is so good. He, um, he's cool as shit. He's he isn't like obviously known in America, but in England he is. He's on the same tier as like all the other sirs, like the knighted actors yeah. of England. He's he's people just
1: that. know him as Tywin Lannister in America. They just know him from yeah. Game of Thrones. Like that that's... guy
0: rules. Um, he's also very funny. He goes on like British variety shows and does funny bits. Mm-hmm. He popped up in uh, The Crown season four.
1: I, I Lord Mumbutton. Yeah. <laughs> Some other highlights. We did mention Amanda Seyfried, but this is she's so good in this movie. Actually, I, no, yeah. She is fucking delightful. I've never
0: been able to discern with her whether she's actually good or if she just has the face ratio. I think she is good. And well, in this, she's very good. Yeah. Um and something like First Reformed her character is like a cardboard cutout yeah of well, a human being.
1: I think that it's a problem with some of the way some of the Roles that she gets stuck with are just kind of characters. They're nothing. This is a role that could be nothing for a lot of people, but she brings so much life to this. Performance. She's really good. Um, she, yeah,
0: she rocks as sort of like a, a, a perceived foil to make like she she is the one who matches him in attitude at these social gatherings and it's I very was, entertaining to watch those social gatherings where they're both yes. together. those are the best scenes in the whole movie any gathering where they're both there mm-hmm. the I'm two a, dinner
1: sequences those scenes, are the looks rock.
0: the looks they give each other yeah. it's just they it's, say it's, so much also, it's electric
1: I, well i mean uh, there's also the criticism online about like uh, how factual is this movie, which personally I don't fucking have time for. It's a movie like it's allowed to take creative liberties. But I am glad that it's just like Mank and her just like have this like really close platonic friendship. It's not like any kind of a like secret love affair or anything like that. There's like I, just d- I was wondering if
0: each other if that's what it was going to be. Like that scene where they're walking around the castle and they're they're in the zoo area. They're kind of flirting around a little bit. I'm like, where's this going? Aren't you married, dude? Like, what the hell? <laughs> they're they're like holding married. hands.
1: Yeah, no, there's like just good buddies. It's just like there's pals. Just
0: yeah, but that around. I guess that just goes back to the point about like still wondering what the movie was going to be. Like at that point, that's kind of the halfway-ish point. It's like, where are we going here? Like, is this what the movie's going to be? You know, does he fall in love with her? And then. You know, that's what kind of sets him on his path. Um, So I think Fincher is like kind of with that cinnamon roll sort of analogy, like trying to lay some. It's almost like a maze, like some Mm -hmm. false pathways. There's
1: a lot of maze imagery in this movie as well. I mean, there's that one part where he's uh secretly delivered alcohol to his little house and like whatever that contraption is that's on top that's hiding all the liquor bottles it looks like there's just like a maze on top of it and then somebody just like lifts it up and there's like 20 liquor bottles underneath
0: and then orson wells just destroys it at the end of the movie
1: <laughs> i yeah <laughs> um do you want to talk about uh talk about him now uh,
0: do we tom think- burke yeah what do we think about this guy I honestly thought he was pretty convincing. He's not obviously Orson <laughs> fucking Wells. It's it's tough.
1: It's a tough role. Like I don't really blame him. I do like Tom Burke. He was in a movie uh, last year that I saw the souvenir. Did oh, you I guys ever see no, the souvenir? I never saw that. Really uh, kind of a deeply upsetting movie. Not in like a classically upsetting way, but um, really, really good uh, British actor. I think he was in the crown too, like this season or last season or something. Um, you're but looking at me
0: like I'm the crown expert. You are the crown expert. Sudden. Yeah,
1: you, you've you watched more episodes <laughs> of The Crown than me and Drew combined. So um, I thought that he was okay. It's tough um, just because I guess he kind of like, he has the same kind of, I don't want to say pudginess that Orson Wells has, but it's, it's called a round face. That's yeah. A, yeah. Well, it's like it's like burly, but not quite burly. Yeah. It's a little bit softer. No, because he's not um, he's
0: not fat in any way. He's not big. Exactly. He's just is like,
1: you know, Orson has a very unique body type and face. Well,
0: the word we're looking for is called hyperthyroidism <laughs> yeah
1: well there you go <laughs> that's what they have
0: um, orson late in life
1: oh, oh yeah God. well i mean <laughs> yeah. late in life he becomes he like fucking Big blows up the, but the bug eyes on that man like get your thyroid check brother <laughs> yeah that uh, was fine it was a different time um i thought he was pretty good uh he's really a very minor point in this movie and it's funny to me too the orson wells discourse around this movie because Orson isn't really painted in a negative light at all. Like Orson seems like a pretty cool guy. Except for like, that. The that scene at the end.
0: It's like the whole movie. He does. I wouldn't say he seems cool. I, I, I really wouldn't. I. He, he seems, seems like, like a guy triller. who comes in and is like, how's the script? Good. It's mine. Like that's. No,
1: role. but it's not. It's not that. Like they say earlier on, like Mank signs away his rights to make them no i know but they don't like make any effort to make wells look good in any way like he just but is... he doesn't he doesn't
0: really come across as bad either yeah but in terms of like because we're made to like mank so much like any audience who doesn't have context would not like orson Wells. i just at i thought that all, well
1: man. i thought that orson wells like he did have some charisma to him and we're back
0: um what so sorry about that little lapse there we had some technical difficulties we do have some breaking news on Mm -hmm. the pod uh gary oldman is reprising his role as mank in spider-man 3
1: (laughs) and you do love to see it um, breaking yeah breaking my spider-man um spider (laughs) Spider spider-man is my favorite (laughs) Of ruin a movie by adding one letter twitter <laughs> did you guys
0: uh see the elon omar i think you should leave mm-hmm. tweet <laughs> brother you think i didn't A hundred and forty nine thousand likes most most of them didn't know where that was from but those who i i thought that i was like are we sure that everybody's gonna no, no, Of course not, but it's you. It still like is a referential image. It's <laughs> captioned. It's not just like a picture. They right. have to know the line. But, no, but you have to click. You have to click on it to see the, the caption. If you don't click on it, it's just Tim Robinson in the hot dog suit. That's also still funny. Yeah, because um, <laughs> it's fucking genius. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, we're so buried in our phones. <laughs> you porn <laughs> foot tube <laughs> xx piss play Anyways. citizen kink <laughs> is that a, sl- that a is- slur
1: yeah it was, i thought, I thought don't, you were don't saying don't call me a kink i thought you were i think. <laughs> You were you were close you were close to a different uh phrase for uh derogatory term for Jewish people uh <laughs> which of which there a is a lot of this is a proudly Jewish movie and I really loved that part of it that this movie really embraced that aspect of old hollywood I felt seen um Why did you feel seen Hunter? I have to elaborate on that. Um, uh, yeah, do
0: the same way you feel seen when the patriots win.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's because I feel like I'm a member of the team and I'm really happy <laughs> that they did that. Uh, <laughs> some other highlights from the cast that I really loved, uh, Lily Collins. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of, uh, she. it's not really much of a part that she is given, but I think that she, because she is uh, very talented and very charming, does a lot with the little that's given yeah, to her. Yeah, she did really
0: well. This is probably like her best role um, I don't think she's done much. of Yeah, that. I will say she looks like a millennial. Mm. Uh, you can't you can't take that out of an actor. That mm-hmm. She just has the millennial face. Didn't you tweet something that was like, you can't have more than one hot person, uh, hot person in a period
1: and, piece? Yeah. Is this movie break that rule? Well, the how thing- many hot people would you say are in this? Gary Oldman. Um, <laughs> Seyfried. Uh, pulls
0: off being like a hot older actress because she has that face ratio that's just freaky yeah um but uh collins has millennial face um so i was like okay well that is a a person from now like no one looked like that back then you know even if there were hot people back then they didn't look like lily collins and their job wouldn't be like typist yeah you would have like some sort of yeah they did i don't know they did well she's british
1: She's like not from Hollywood or from like the system. Like she was a Brit.
0: Her, she's not her, from the system. Her dad is just Phil Collins.
1: <laughs> no, I'm talking about the character. I'm not talking about Lily Collins oh, okay, as an actor. Okay. <laughs> um, Wait, is
0: she really Phil Collins? She's Phil Collins' daughter.
1: God damn. It is damn, all That's a good family. The film industry
0: home. The film industry is 100% nepotism. It's, she's, she's a good actress because uh, she had nine figures to play with as a child. She knew she didn't have to get a real job.
1: Oh, and you know who her half-brother is, is? uh Simon Collins, who you probably don't know who it is. And as I'm saying this, I'm guessing nobody knows who he is. He's in a prog rock band called Sound of Contact.
0: Yeah, he plays with Phil sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, pretty good band. Um, if you
0: look up any young actor, you're going to realize that you should not try to be an actor.
1: Basically. Yeah, it's, like, it's a very... Uh, like,
0: even if they're good, like, Lily Collins is good. And same with, uh, you know, Quaid's son on The Boys or whatever. It's still Quaid's son. That's why he is in the position to get that audition. You know, I was just on Adam's podcast, the Zillennial Canon, and we went on a whole tangent about like how child actors are broken and they grow up and it's like a nightmare to climb out it's, of. Well, it's it's a uh, it's a lose lose situation because either they're broken because they're kind of like Shia LaBeouf or like they grew up very poor and they were the mm-hmm. the you know, the milk cow for their family which sucks that's i think is worse because also then your parents steal all your money or they were just born with a billion dollars because they are the son of walter disney and <laughs> in that case it's a secession scenario where yeah. you were just rotten
1: like well i mean that that even feeds into the whole maybe that's maybe fincher is making a commentary on the and Kane of it all. Cause Citizen Kane is just like, I could have, there's that line, Citizen Kane is famous. It's just like, I think I could have been a good person if I wasn't born so rich. Speaking of that, of uh, other people uh, born from familial ties and acting, we found out during the break, or I found out while doing some Wikipedia deep diving that Ferdinand Kingsley, Ben Kingsley's son is also in this movie, wow. um, who plays uh, Irving Thalberg, uh, one of the chief, Producers at MGM. Is he the one who dies? Yes. Okay. Um, I really liked him. I thought he was really like he's able to kind of the suicide. B- no, 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 no. The, the guy who guy. that they go to the the one where it just randomly cuts
0: to a funeral um, and you're like, huh? But it's yeah. like right after the suicide, so I was like, wait, yeah, is that that, that was. Suicide? I think that was not good writing. Yeah, was, I
1: think that was. Confusing. Well, I mean, it, it could. There's some could space be in between. Editing. It's not like right. I know, afterwards. but I think maybe it's because you are watching at 1.25 s- speed that it's no like it was i had the afterwards. same problem on well you were watching speed. on 0.5 speed ernest <laughs> so that's the problem there no it
0: that like you know, it's like i said this guy isn't a screenwriter and he did a really good job but there are gonna be hiccups i think that was one like in that period i became it became an issue of like do i need to care about who's dead am i invested in who's dead
1: i get there's no. just i <laughs> the there's so many no. i mean i thought that i thought that uh um That Ferdinand Kingsley did a really good job going back and forth with Gary Oldman in some scenes. Like, I thought, like, that's a tough task for somebody to stand alongside uh, Gary Oldman. And I think that that might have been some of my problems with uh, the um, Tom Burke character as Orson Welles is that there is a certain point in that one scene that they share together where, like, you can kind of tell that gary oldman is just in control of the scene it despite the fact that it is shot uh like very low angles to make orson look like this tall menacing character like he was depicted back in the 1940s i just kind of could feel it a little bit more but we got to talk about the greatest cameo of all time bill nye the science guy. bill nye the science guy is the socialist of the he is the bernie sanders of the 1930s i
0: like how they didn't indulge in having bill nye in the movie because yeah, that would there. have that He's would like, have really you taken you just like a side shot of yeah. him
1: too like you don't even get like a good like full shot of it it's just like just his side profile and then it's used to hear his voice talking about just like hey like no we're gonna like Make people pay their fair share and then pay Mm -hmm. it back to the community. and.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I think that that, at that point in the movie, I basically was on the other side of realizing that this movie was not really going to show or be – revolving around the making of Citizen Kane you know like that ship had already sailed uh, see,
1: I just I don't I like don't really like this movie is still like very much about Citizen Kane to me
0: no but I I I, I really thought that it was going to be around like the production of the movie you know like very heavily centered around. Oh, you mean like, like after
1: writing is done, like them on the sets
0: and stuff like that? That's what you were expecting. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't think that it was going to be so much about like Manx life leading up to him sitting down to write the screen, the screenplay. You know, um, and once you have this uh, uh race for governor of California in 1934, you know, it was a little jarring to kind of kind of put the pieces together of how that kind of fit into Manx life and into his writing process, but it's all there, you know, you can see it all. And especially after the movie's over and you research more about William Randolph Harst and Upton Sinclair and, um, you know, read more into kind of what MGM and all these other studios were doing to influence this election and to kind of, put, put their, their finger on the scales a little bit of the, of the voting population in California by producing propaganda films and, and, and sort of skirting the lines of like, you know, what the role of Hollywood is in the popular conversation and the popular consensus and how it overlaps with politics and all of that stuff I think is really smart and really pertinent to to current times. I mean, there's even a scene early on when they're talking very candidly about Hitler's rise in Germany, and mm-hmm. it feels like a conversation about Donald Trump in 2016. Like, it's, it's very, very well drawn out. It just sort of took me a while to get warmed up to it, and by the time I was, the movie was over.
1: I think that that's why I think that, because I feel like... All the seeds are there for you that if you do a rewatch, I encourage on one speed. But if you watch on one point two five speed, I won't fault you. Please don't watch on one point five. I think that you'll get more out of the movie on a second viewing. Yeah. Now that, you know, because I kind of it clicked with me at about the 30 minute mark. I still really enjoyed the first 30 minutes, but I was trying to fish around to figure out what the movie was about. And Once I got it, I was all the way on board. And then that's why watching it a second time, it was even more rewarding for me. I think that part of that is really purposeful on Fincher's part. Uh, Like, I watched the trailer for this movie, and it, it tells you nothing. It's just... People saying mank a lot, like that's what the fucking trailer that's is. That's kind of what the movie is, too. <laughs> I mean, how many times is mank said in this movie? Cause it's gotta be hundreds. It's so many times. More than um, the word
0: fuck in the departed. It's, oh, what's it's up the over-under on um, that. Um
1: It's I, I I think that the seeds are there for you guys. I think that y'all would appreciate it more. Rewatching this movie and i'm not saying that to discourage other people from like if you if you don't like the movie then that's fine i understand this is very much not a movie for everybody and like i can fully respect and appreciate it's similar to how i felt about um i'm thinking of ending things that came out this year another movie that i think is an absolute masterpiece one of my favorite movies of the year it's definitely not a movie you recommend to everybody and maybe that's been a casualty of 2020 so far is that I think that there have been some really good movies that have come out this year, but it seems like movies are getting very specified, especially especially with auteur directors, right? Auteur directors, and especially going to streaming services, because they know well they write the check for the auteurs. They yeah, exactly. They don't have to make things that are as broad and mass appeal. I think that the best like widely mass appeal movie that i've seen this year is defy bloods which isn't my favorite movie of the year but it's a movie that has the elements of everything cuz that's what spike lee brings to the table spike lee he's going to have very dramatic themes to his films but nothing that is like it still has like some action elements and it has these other dramatic elements and camaraderie and all these other different things that he brings to the table I palm springs Palm Springs, okay. Palm Springs, Very that's okay. Mainstream, yeah, for, I forgot but God, this year has been forever. A it feels lifetime. like a lifetime. Um, I think the 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 other big thing I wanted
0: to mention is the scene at the end. Um, well, it's not the end, but it's it's pretty much rounding the end. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's uh, circle back to the the scene we alluded to earlier. That's the the big dinner scene where they're all sitting around that fancy table and Mank just, like, fucking goes full chaos mode and is, like, so drunk off his ass. And it's like, I'm about to pitch my movie to these fuckers. Let's fucking unload. And he just, he does it. He pitches Citizen Kane to these fuckers. And um, that's, like, pretty much, like, the scene of the movie. I mean, there's a lot of great scenes throughout. But that's kind of like the closest thing the movie has to a climax is this scene where he 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 lays it all out. You know, he's he gets to sort of a breaking point uh, of of realizing like how fucked up this system is and these these powerful people toying around with common people's uh, uh, wealth and, and well-being. Um, you know, hearkening back to the scene uh, at the beginning of the movie that we were talking about with um, Mayer, uh, how he's talking really fast, talking about the 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 system and the movies. And then he goes and uh, talks to all of the employees of the studio and tells them that they have to get a pay cut. And then he turns around and, you know, basically waves all that off, all of, all of those sentiments that he just toyed with. Um, And then, you know, you fast forward to the end of the movie and it all just sort of pays off really well there where Mank is sort of carrying all of this um, anxiety about like Harst and Mayer and just the system in general. Wealthy people in this country and how much power they have and the level of influence they have and it's a glorious scene. It's extremely well done. I mean, Fincher is just, like, yeah, so, it's, so fucking It's so good. well directed. It's mm-hmm. insane. And then the little kind of button on it right after that is Charles Dance, like, Ugh. sees him out. The monkey in the organ grinder. Exactly. Like, he tells him this story about... Um, I mean, if I try to paraphrase it, I'm going to butcher this. yeah, shit out it's of something it. that, like
1: you can't really paraphrase paraphrase it. It's is, really well written. it is. And, I mean, there's other points in the movie where he where Mank is explicitly called out for being like the court jester. And exactly. this is the most explicit version of it, where it's like, you're a little man, but you think like the world revolves around you. You think that everyone's dancing because of you. When the fact of the matter is you are nothing. If you disappear, you will be replaced by another monkey in your steps and he will do the dance that mm-hmm. we want him to do. And that's, and that's Hollywood, baby. Like, that's it. That's not just Hollywood,
0: but that's the role of the writer yeah. in Hollywood. Like, that's the craziest thing is like the writers never get the glory that. Some of the other folks in the business do, you know, the actors and the directors, they're always the ones that have to put in more work than they're given credit for. And, you know, obviously the, the, and the entertainment industry is incredibly unfavorable to all sorts of people all the way up and down the line. But this movie is about a screenwriter. And I think that the point that it makes about a screenwriter in 1940 or whatever it is is relevant to 2022
1: i mean especially so that's another reason why i think that it's good that fincher wait, waited to take this movie is because a lot of people have talked about tom burke specifically about how his orson wells looks a lot like david fincher and that is not a mistake david fincher does not make mistakes in his movies that David Fincher is kind of making a commentary about himself, about how he views himself that maybe he is starting to become an Orwellian-type director figure in Hollywood. And it's kind of interesting that he, as someone who he has never written his own scripts for anything, he is just the director, and he takes all the credit at the end of the day. He is the one who gets the praise and the laudits from everybody. Everybody knows David Fincher's name, People don't know the guy who wrote seven. Like, that's not what people know in their vernacular. And I think that's so interesting that he is kind of almost satirizing himself at a certain point where he's just kind of looking a little bit more inwardly and respecting this kind of lost thing, especially now. And as we're in the 21st century, when more and more movies have three, four, five, six, a dozen writers working on them, that those are all just forgotten names. At the end of the day, it's who put out this movie. Who is the director? Is this a Marvel movie? Is it just Marvel director? Is it like whatever? Like, but the actual people who put the heavy, dirty work in to get this movie off the ground are kind of forgotten to the hands of and and Fincher's a director.
0: He's not as he's exactly. not a screenwriter. Yeah. Like like Mank is the track the track that this guy was on he was never going to be a david fincher like he was never going to see even even writing what is considered to be the most influential or best movie of all time is still not at the same caliber of recognition that a david fincher no and nor did he want to be uh, he didn't. I mean, maybe he did, I think though. He did. But it, it just, it just wasn't in the, the drive. It, it, well, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. In this movie, it's not like he's like, "I want to direct someday," right? You know, like that's not his goal. It's just that we don't know him, and so yeah. Uh, David Fincher, I believe, is the one who told his dad to explore this mm-hmm. uh, this yep. notion for to write this screenplay. Like he is interested in her make-a-wits. Um, Like I said in the last episode, he's not one to insert too much of his uh personal life into his movies but he does always pursue the truth in his movies they're yeah. not even if they're not about the film industry they're about getting to the bottom of the true story of whatever happened and this movie does that and fincher obviously went through a lot earlier in his career before he put himself at a level where he had like kind of full autonomy over his artistry and his filmmaking yeah, he just, had to fight for it a, a reason that i like this movie is because it doesn't like Herman Mankiewicz like he might be you know even if he's as interesting as like he's purported to be in this movie which is obviously he's not like no one is ever that cool um he's still not as interesting as Orson Welles was in real life Mm -hmm. um so in a way this almost does like the opposite of what something like first man did where like the secondary character you're like I want to watch that guy Mm -hmm. um in this you want to watch him so the movie did an effective job of (laughs) like getting you or at least it got me invested not so much emotionally in him but it made me interested in this human being in a way that like it wouldn't he wasn't just like the guy behind the typewriter like i don't know orson what do we do in act three (laughs) like that that would be such a shit movie and instead this is a man with his own internality and very much externality like Mm -hmm. he is all over the place like acting in the world Uh, So for that reason, like I was entertained reasonably by this movie. Like I still, I like this. movie. And and Wells, Wells still, this is, yeah, this is something I was thinking about earlier is like that final scene with Wells, it almost seems like the movie takes like a sharp turn right at the end, because like I've just been saying, that's not what the movie's about. The movie's not about the making of Citizen Kane. Like, it's everything that informs the idea for the story, but it's not about, like, the actual, you know, production of uh, of the movie or anything like that. So by putting Wells right at the end and having that argument about the, the credit for the screenplay, it does seem like a culmination for Mank and what he wants for his own accomplishment, accomplishments in his own life. Mm. But when you tie it to Citizen Kane, it's like it feels a little bit removed from like what the movie was trying to do. And it, it, it almost seems like it, it, they were like being like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's we forgot that like this was about Citizen Kane. So let's let's just put that at the end there. Well, it, I, Frank- see,
1: I just I think that that is like what you're saying about everything that went into the story leading up that inspired Mankiewicz. That is Citizen Kane. This movie is about Citizen Kane in that way. It's not about the production and everything else of Citizen Kane. And to be honest, I think that would be a much worse movie. I think that is a much more classic, traditional Oscar bait type film where it's just you see them on the set of Citizen Kane and oh, now they're going to Xanadu and all this kind of stuff. I think that that would be much more down the middle. It would be cornier. Yes, because there. Yeah, I
0: I kind of agree with that, Hunter, because there is a version of this where he is writing the movie like on the set, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's what, that's what people think about the movie making process is like all at once. There's no pre-production. So he's on set and like, he's telling Orson, like, uh, make that Dame, uh, Make, make her have a little bit of attitude. <laughs> and he he's like, well, why would I do that, Mank? And then there's a flashback. <laughs> that <laughs> that a sucks.
1: <laughs> that sucks so hard.
0: I do like the moment at the end where, like, the script is done. And it's like a big old fatty, yeah. thick boy. And it's like, all right, I'm, I gave him. I gave him what I did. It's the best work I've done. And now it's his job to take it.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. And that's another thing about the uh, Orson Welles heads on uh, Twitter is that obviously Orson did a lot because they say that that's like a 270 page script. Uh, it's not 270 pages in the final movie. Orson definitely did some heavy cutting in there as you had to with that. Yeah, like media the studio, probably. Script. Yeah, like that's sure. that's not. Herman did not have final cut on this movie no
0: but back then especially that just wasn't what writers well, got writers yeah. gave up their property once they the script was done
1: yeah I mean you see it at the MGM studio they just have like a round table they just have like a writer's room this yeah uh like I, I mean like I said like all I could think about
0: was how if I had taken all these classes a year from now it would have been screened in like three or four of them because it's for screenwriting classes and it's also for film history classes mm-hmm um and it's good um i just this is david fincher we're talking about and this movie is really specific to a certain type of person and i am that type of person for the most part and it still didn't like fucking slap me in the face like most Fincher does like he can fucking hit you when he wants to and this movie doesn't hit you totally agree this movie doesn't like have a an emotional punch to it yeah but
1: i just i for me it did i mean i guess that's just all gonna be like matter of personal taste i did want to ask you guys as we're kind of wrapping up this discussion what do you think like are its legitimate chances for oscars uh, well,
0: it's gonna get a shit ton of nominations exactly, in like yeah. every category Well, yeah
1: the but oscar like there's the, no movies the irishman right. <laughs> exactly well so the oscars aren't until late april this year because they're extending the window through february so we're still going to get um a, f- a handful of really big ones Nomad Land is chief among them minari maybe could be the a24 darling of the year uh ma rainey's um black bottom i think is what it's called which is chadwick boseman's final performance uh one night in miami there's a few big ones left I'm a little bit concerned that this could be this year's The Irishman at the Oscars, where I think The Irishman got ten Oscar nominations and zero wins. I no, this will this will win something. I think, it's gotta, I think. But couldn't you see like Amanda Seyfried wins and then nothing else?
0: No, it'll it'll get like a I, bunch of technical. I could stuff. see like sound design.
1: Yeah, sound design, editing, but like yeah. none of the big ones. Yeah. No,
0: because remember this is a Netflix movie, and remember what happened with Roma where. You know, we all wanted Roma and then the Academy was like, uh, uh, uh no well, it, Netflix. It's also the narrative of it will be, this is the Oscar movie. Do we give it the Oscar? Probably but
1: not. The But the, it's been kind of mixed reception. It hasn't been like when Roma came out, it was just like, this is the movie this is the best picture of the year and then it kind of sat there for a while mm-hmm. yeah and, and then people vigo, picked it apart vigo ate a big old pizza in bed oh dear god i just re-watched green book for the oscar movie and i promised myself i wouldn't have to think about that movie you re-watched? again watched i i had to i did it for the <laughs> listeners did it. listen next week to hear about i haven't my seen tr- it once <laughs> never will he eats he eats a big pizza he folds in a, a pizza in bed he also stands in the rain and tells uh tells mahershal ali i'm more black than you'll ever be yeah well that's man true. best picture winner ah <laughs> oh. anyways no i i am just kind of curious because this does have like from ten thousand feet this does look like the oscar movie yeah of course but the more and more that you look into it it's really does not fit A lot of what makes a classic Oscar movie. This is not a celebration. This isn't a transformation in the same way that the Oscars usually recognize. It is a transformation in itself, but it's not the type that the academy typically the
0: recognizes. The thing is, I I would call it a celebration just because it is about old Hollywood. That alone is a celebration of old
1: Hollywood. Like they don't care if it, he makes. Them I'm, tellin', look like I'm not telling. I'm telling you from watching all these movies, though, there's a lot of movies that are about old Hollywood, but if they aren't shown, Singing in the Rain didn't win Best Picture, and it's mm. easily the best movie of the year. But it's just like, ah, man, studios were rough then. We don't want to recognize that. Let's give it to. I whatever think, the fuck well how, what year was that though
0: you know it wasn't it was for me for a little bit. like 50s it's, yeah. it's, it's like that mid-50s. was so long ago like nowadays i think they would be like wow this like hip 1952.
1: director that people actually give a fuck about made a movie about us
0: yeah i you did want
1: to bring up because i was on gold derby earlier today yeah i'm literally two, just looking at so it so right the now. top two directors right now of course david fincher has never won best director he is now what 60 David Fincher. No, he's not. He's way. like, he's like 50s. Um, he's older. Um, it's between right now. The two heavy favorites are. Oh, him. he's 58. Yeah, 58. See, I was close. Um, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, which wow. is kind of interesting. No, Chloe Zhao is an actor, uh, um, director who's going to be around for decades. She is also an Asian American woman. Uh, it's kind of gonna be this weird old versus new philosophy that we've been talking about a long time in the Academy of, do we recognize the old great for a movie for an award that he probably should have won a long time ago, or do we give it to this new up and comer to recognize them as they have arrived?
0: Uh, uh, The, the Oscars always gives it to the, the too late the we missed, we missed you on your peak and now we got to make up for it. The thing is, but there's
1: still surprises. Olivia (laughs) Coleman beat glenn close yeah. that was also... that was the most obvious lock of locks was like yeah i guess glenn close is just gonna win for the wife this like <laughs> very <laughs> mediocre movie that she's fine in uh, ultimately i don't care if
0: it wins anything that doesn't matter but uh i could see fincher's makeup oscar being farther down the road because
1: 58 is actually young for a makeup oscar yeah well, it is but <laughs> for a director. Hmm i mean there's a couple of things one he has really shifted to tv the last few years he doesn't care much for movies and He'll- also like this is only his like second big like oscar type movie behind benjamin button i know social network got some noms i think he was nominated for that gone girl got some uh acting noms but nothing like for yeah directing well that's the thing like he, that.
0: he doesn't care He's not an awards guy. This isn't, I think people with no context, you would perceive this as awards bait for sure. But this was more just like uh, David Fincher's dad bait. Yeah. (laughs) This is Jack Fincher bait. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just goes back to my original point at the beginning of the episode. Like good for you, Finch. Like this is not a movie that screams, give me Oscars. This is a movie that Mm -hmm. mattered to him. On a personal level, and he made it because he genuinely just wanted to make it. He's not trying to prove anything. He's not trying to make some sort of statement to try to get the attention of the fucking Academy Awards. Like, that's not the reason why this exists. So,
1: that's that's exact. You beat me to the point that I was trying to make. And I think that's the movie. That's one of the things that about this movie that I don't want to say it surprised me because I was expecting to really love this movie, but I was a little bit worried that it could feel a little bit soulless. And there's nothing about this movie that felt soulless to me. It felt, you could feel the passion coming across on the screen from David Fincher. And I really connected to that. You said there isn't maybe an emotional punch, a traditional one in this movie, but I still had an emotional connection because I think that I could... Feel the love in which David Fincher was making this movie. Yeah, that's that's fair. uh
0: I still couldn't recommend it to anybody that who doesn't isn't like a movie person. That's, I yeah. There, that's there's fine. nothing. I
1: wouldn't recommend. I'm thinking of ending things, and that might be my favorite movie of the year. That well, for <laughs> that one, you could just be
0: like, hey, you want to see something really fucking weird? This one, it's like, hey, do you know about this? And also like <laughs> that. Are you a dad with
1: a lot well, of? Because it's not even. Show? It's not
0: even. You have to to understand it. It's you have to to give a fuck. That's the yeah. bigger thing.
1: You I I'll be honest. I have not dove on William uh randolph hearse wikipedia nor upton sinclair's and like i'm fine i got what i need it's honestly
0: pretty fascinating well it's it's, and it's also like craft wise it's like do you like it's for people who
1: know shit about like the look of movies that's not most people. hey my girlfriend walked in while i was watching it, and she was like damn this movie is gorgeous yeah it is it looks that was you get your
0: your 4k up and running for this
1: Oh yeah! Okay, oh fair. yeah! I watched this. Shout out to Netflix playing this in Dolby Vision too on my soundbar and everything. It felt like I did Creed. I cooked up a bag of popcorn for myself. Mm. I had the Christmas tree in the corner of the room. I really was. I really mm. was feeling myself watching this movie. One point two five times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Upton Sinclair wrote Oil.
1: Yeah. Upton
0: Sinclair is one of the biggest like yeah. social yeah. writers. I knew he was like a writer. I just century. I didn't know He's about his political career. PTA adapted to There Will Be Blood. So it all just sort of comes full circle here. Um David Fincher was nominated for best director for Social Network and Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yeah. So this would be his third nomination if he is uh and I'm sure he'll get it there's
1: notably snubbed in 2007, but then again, he was going up against the Cohen brothers and PTA. So what are you going to do? Hey man, he was going
0: what? up against, uh, um, Oh, you're talking about for Zodiac for Zodiac. Yeah. Right. Okay. I thought you were about to do a Tom Hooper, uh,
1: <laughs> Oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> social networks. I'm, uh, going up against the behemoth. That was the King's speech. Couldn't be that thing. even,
0: I mean, Benjamin Button is probably his worst movie, but that's a movie that even that isn't soulless. Like it's not I don't think he's capable of making something that he doesn't like put effort into, you know, and he's not like it's not like he sees out scripts that have a lot of emotional heft he's just really good at directing actors who are showing emotion Mm -hmm. like the the way the shots are sequenced in the more emotion heavy scenes which aren't even particularly emotional in this movie but the way the shots work is just fucking stunning gorgeous it's it's just wild you all you're so easily able to track uh the emotional arc of every character
1: i'm just i'm kind of curious about after making this movie what is next for david fincher does he kind of go back to he's never going to go back to making like frat bro style movies of the 90s that he got to start with but does he kind of go back to that slow plotting crime thriller that he tapped into with mind hunter i think
0: he'll probably just find something to adapt that he's like weirdly interested in in well he was he was supposed to make a sequel yeah. to world war z exactly yeah, he was gonna what kind full. of what kind of like two whiskey bottles like, in with brad pitt kind of he night was like was he signed
1: having? on like that was like actually going to happen and then it all fell apart because he wanted to have complete he wanted final cut and everything he was like this is going to be my movie with Madness. complete control man i would give like an an ungodly amount of money to see a David Fincher World War Z movie. I I think he might
0: uh I could see him like sticking with Netflix and just like making stuff that doesn't generally appeal to any sort of broad audience but he just is interested in. Like sure, this movie didn't really like captivate me, but I think that if he wants to keep making stuff like this that he loves and that he he wants to give himself over to go for it you know it it, not all of them have to hit with me personally for them to you know be justified for existing like it's okay you can look at a any director's filmography and every other one not be uh drawn to that's Mm -hmm. fine yeah that's that's totally fine um i my worry with him is that he's just gonna become like an all craft no uh script guy because yeah. he doesn't write the scripts and it's all about making the right choices for scripts because the craft is always going to be there with him but a movie that is you know the a movie that is leaning on craft is way worse to me than a movie that's leaning on a good script i'd rather watch a but movie. when it's but when it's fincher though no i know it's like the he's, top well, of the yeah, fuck because he's the best at path. craft period yeah. but uh he like if he if he picks a, a bad script like i won't enjoy like i'd rather watch a good script with bad direction i just I, I still really would think,
1: but i still think that like when there is enough behind it like so take for, i know this probably isn't the best example because you've said before that you are a big fan of this movie but i think panic room is like just a very like down the middle script and i mm. think that fincher elevates that movie being really fun it's well it reminds me also of that
0: spike lee movie we the, the, the inside man yeah inside I, man? I didn't really care for that movie because the script was Polk really Bank is better than inside. well yeah i know <laughs> i'm just saying though like there's craft in that movie but that script is fucking basic as hell and it sucks yeah. to me like i think that was a bad script for a movie like the the but way
1: likely makes it fun
0: so hey he, but it, he doesn't enough for me like the the way people are talking is bad like the only good lines are the ones denzel is making up um other than that it's just like detective we found a blah, blah, blah. like it's just law and order dude give me a fucking fincher movie with denzel washington what the fuck yeah, is going on
1: let's let's do that let's bring sorkin back in the fray. sorkin you've had your fun directing now come on buddy my favorite i still have not watched trial of chicago 7 might watch it this weekend who knows i'm gonna um, wait until the oscar nomination i'm gonna wait i'm gonna out. wait until fincher gets snubbed for aaron sorkin as best director Ugh. um the- no, but I, my favorite Letterboxd review that I've seen, I think, all year was. Uh, uh, I don't have the user pulled up right away, but it was somebody uh, said uh, Aaron Sorkin is far too good of a screenwriter to have to put up with Aaron Sorkin the director.
0: Mm,
1: yep, and that's how I feel about uh, most things. The the last thing I wanted to shout
0: out about this movie is the um, aside from like the obvious visual style, there's very like specific like scene transitions that are specifically uh linking back to citizen kane and that kind of stuff just really really wowed me um just like how in in kane uh orson wells will just like kind of fade parts of the frame before other parts of the frame
1: yeah the the backdrop has shadow and then shadow slowly immerses the faces and everything yeah and
0: and fincher does a lot of that in this so beautiful it's amazing
1: um
0: so that's mank um of of all the big auteur driven movies that have disappointed me this year i think this is the one that i can genuinely say is like um the the undisputed kind of best one so between this i'm thinking of ending things and, and tenant uh I, although with tenant i did i did enjoy oh no are you going full circle on tenant i did i did enjoy Tenet more than this even if tenant is like way sloppier um i had more fun Tenet's with it tenant's a
1: goddamn mess and it's a nonsense ride but um
0: i i just 2020, man, I, mean, I think that it comes down to like the the insane year that this year has been and, and just the mental space that you're in and how much that can inform your movie watching experience, like the insanity in the world and like what we're all going through in our lives. Like you have to you can't totally put that aside when you're diving into a movie. And I think that that is much more pronounced for me in terms of like, not really connecting with a lot of these, uh, you know, very auteur driven movies this year, but it's still a really good one. I'm still glad that that it exists and that we saw it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for checking out Mink. If you did let us know what you thought, uh, please rate, review, subscribe, share, uh, the pod. Email us, follow us, all yeah. that good stuff.
1: Next week, I am doing a, a recap of my Academy Awards watch through. I have completed the task, the journey. Um, if you guys have any questions, just uh, yeah, I email think us. I'm, I think I'm sick next week. I can't make it. Well, I then you're going to miss me recapping what it, Green Book. What is it? 90, 92, Ninety-two movies? Ninety-two movies. God damn. I Even ones that I had seen before, I rewatched so I could watch them all in order. Kind of steady trends. I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna be like Steve Kornacki bringing out the bill the big board next week. It's gonna be a time to
0: celebrate. It's the Oscar episode. Um, then beyond that, we got a couple more weeks left. We got Wonder Woman 1984. We got Soul. We got Listomania. Um, there's a couple other things that we could maybe fit in. I know that we're trying to cram for Listomania, but we do have um, Steve McQueen's Small Axe. Mm-hmm. on amazon prime um and there might be other little things here and there that we may uh catch up on so stay tuned stay safe stay healthy um keep it with bammy and we'll see you next time oh quick plug real quick again i mentioned it before but i did guest on the zillennial canon i already recorded my episode mm. and both of you guys are also gonna be yeah on that little sure show. you'll be
1: next week and then i will be the following week
0: yeah i'm doing the lizzie
1: mcguire movie mm. yeah hey now hey now i'm gonna this talk is
0: what dreams. Yeah. this is my dream
1: similarly i i am doing the uh nightmarish acid trip that is the polar express mm. directed by oh robert zemeckis God. bobby z himself wow I think I'm going to do acid and then watch (laughs) Polar Express to see it how the director intended it.
0: That movie is like a a roller coaster simulator. (laughs) It's
1: It's like barely a movie. (laughs) I can't wait to revisit it. All right. Bye. Bye.